everyone. This is Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And it's our mission to help you to see yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, keep in mind, we're also on YouTube. So we'd love for you to head over there, watch the podcast, but also see all of the other great Enneagram content we have there. And make sure you hit subscribe. Also pick up her newest release that came out on January 17th called The Book of Common Courage, Prayers and Poems to Find Strength in Small Moments. Uh, KJ at Ramsey intimately understands the reality of fear and the reward of courage. A survivor of spiritual abuse and religious trauma who also suffers from a chronic illness and is also a licensed therapist, KJ recognizes that there's a deep chasm that opens up when life's hurts between our hearts and hope. Through her struggle with emotional and physical pain, KJ discovered a route to connection and a joy, which is courage, the practice of trusting we will be held and loved no matter what. Mm. The book of Common Courage, you'll uh, journey alongside KJ word by word through Psalm 23. So you'll experience how the Good Shepherd is with you and for you, especially in the valleys of life. This book reminds us that even when pain is not past tense, God is still present and that we can embrace the practice of trusting we have a good shepherd who always cares even when vulnerability is shouting otherwise. We recently had KJ on episode 135 where we discussed her Enneagram internal profile as a type four. We recommend you go and listen to that because it really was an insightful view into the world of a four who has really done their work and understands not only their internal world, but their father's presence in the midst of it. Hear from her on why she wrote her new book and her passion for its message to bless others and recognize her day-to-day life, especially when it's challenging and painful and difficult and hard. So with that, KJ, welcome. We're glad to have you back with Thank us. Thank you. It's so good to see you guys. Yeah, it. we had so much fun the last time you were on totally. talking about your EIP and all the different parts. Um, especially since you're so well-versed um, in just that realm of understanding. So that was really fun. So, yeah, I totally recommend people going back to that. Well, KJ, I want to ask. I, sometimes I experience this because I, I never dreamed of becoming an author, podcaster, all the things that we do mm-hmm. now. And sometimes when I read, someone reads a bio of me, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, how how does it land on you to hear people? I mean, I mean you're – Living out your story in this sense of calling in such a beautiful way, and yet, I mean, it's also been incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's definitely been difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I still, I think I'm at a point in my vocation where I am, I'm like surveying the ground and surveying like what came before now, and I'm just kind of like astounded to get to be where I am. And to get to to get to write, mm-hmm. like things continue to be hard. The parts of the bio that are about <laughs> like continuing, you know, recovery from trauma and and the illnesses that I deal with, it's not fun at all. Um, and I am just really grateful. I get to write books and like make something beautiful out of bearing witness to my life um, and hopefully getting to bear witness to Mm -hmm. other people's lives. So yeah, I feel like I'm in this spot of kind of like surveying the ground and being like, wow, I can't believe this. I get to do this. That's mostly what I, what I feel when I hear the bio other than also, it's just funny to hear someone say nice things about you and you're just like, okay, (laughs) how do I take this? (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. 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 How funny. Yeah. Yeah. I often forget, so in, in my note, talk about different certifications and trainings that I've done. Most of that was done out of a desire for survival of if I'm not learning, then I don't have security. Mm-hmm. Right. But when other people read it, like, wow, I'm I'm a pretty well-trained guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, what, do you, what do you think you would have said to younger KJ thinking about where you're at now hmm. and when you were maybe – past those events and still processing, um, but then seeing that new calling and passion emerge. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the hard part is a lot of the 
the things that I draw from, the experiences I draw from, they do continue. They're things that continue to be difficult. So some of the things obviously end and, you know, like walking away from an abusive church that is, that is over, but the pain of how that continues to affect me is still there. Um, But I think to, to like what I would say to my younger self um, who's in the middle of it and like, doesn't know what her vocation is going to be and whether there's room for her, um, whether she'll be physically able to do a job um, or like have the hope to do a job either. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I would tell her trust, like keep following your creativity, Mm -hmm. keep letting yourself dream. There's so much more. There's so much more ahead, Mm -hmm. but like keep, keep leaning into your desire to create. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which really gets into courage. And I mean, the last book you wrote, which came out this last year, 2022, Mm -hmm. The Lord is My Courage, has the title Courage, and it follows Psalms 23. Um, But then you surprised me. (laughs) We were texting one day, and you sent a picture, and it was like, nobody knows this yet. (laughs) And you showed me that you had written another book. Yes. Like back to back. And I'm like, what? Like, we were just laughing about this before we got on air. I was like, that's like having Irish twins. And you're kind of like, yeah, I didn't quite realize (laughs) like how much that is to do back to back. But God has given you the courage to write two books on courage and the, um, and the strength and the stamina and the endurance to just keep walking through that. So with that being said, how do you define courage and when did the concept of courage actually really come about and emerge for you? Yeah. So I, one of the ways that I define courage, I think begins with what it's not. So courage is not the absence of anxiety. Um, I think it's important to point Mm. out that courage doesn't mean we're not afraid about something. Courage is actually sticking with our fear and following it through with friendship that we can practice trusting that even when we're afraid and even when things remain hard, we will be held and we will be loved no matter what. Um, and defining it as a practice has been really potent for me because then it means I don't have to do this perfectly. I don't have, and, it, and it's also not, it's, it's not something that has to be done perfectly. And it's also courage is not something that is a possession that you can lose. Like it's not something you have yeah. and you can, and suddenly you don't have it or you never had it. So you don't get to be a courageous person. Courage is this like mm-hmm. innate goodness that is, I think in all of us um, that just like any other virtue, as we practice it, as we seek to like, be the kind of person who can trust that there is this abiding Mm -hmm. presence of love with us. Um, Our capacity to experience that as true really grows and our capacity to like Mm -hmm. have that be our reflex to trust God is with us. That it, Mm -hmm. it becomes the habit and the reflex rather than the thing that's super hard to choose. When I love that you say reflex, because that just captures something totally different. Mm-hmm. I think so often we feel like we have to put on courage. And I think that's true to a point and like in trust. But when you've practiced something so many times, it becomes a, a reflex. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the next thing or a muscle memory. It's what you do. Yes. It's what you're used to. And I think that's just so cool to think about because I don't think I've really put it in that term, but it's so true. Like, and we have to make that decision to trust him, to give us the courage, to give us the strength. And the more we're able to trust him and see it happening time and time again, not that it's easy, but the more quickly those reflexes or the muscle memory. Right. Yeah. It's like, like a reflex, you know. Um, with like at the doctor's office and they'll like hit your, hit your knee and your leg yeah. goes out or the reflex. If um, yeah. you're, you know, you stand back from something that's hot. Like there's, 
what mm-hmm. do you, I think this is about what's the courage is about the reflex of what do we reach toward when things yeah. feel threatening? Um, do you reach toward the God who says he's with you? Um, do you reach toward yourself yeah. as somebody who is already loved by that God? And, you know, most of us don't. And, and that is actually okay. And the invitation of courage is that you still can practice reaching toward this God who is reaching toward you. Um, so it came, this came alive for me. Uh, I think it became more clear for me while I was writing my first book, this too shall last. And in the end, I talk about repentance as the virtue that empower, like courage, courage empowers repentance in this way that like repentance is about turning. It's turning toward God and it's, Instead of feeling going, continuing down the path of the story where I'm not loved and I will not be supported and I'm not seen, um, I can turn around and walk in the story where I am seen, I am safe, I am secure mm-hmm. because of this savior. And um, it was like realizing for me while I was writing the book, it was like, practicing turning has been what's made it possible Mm -hmm. for me to have joy in a life that continues to have a lot of hard things in it. And it just was kind of like, it put words to what is this thing that like makes it possible to be in a story I would not have written and still Mm -hmm. like experience this, abiding presence of Jesus as really good and really true. Um, So it kind of defined for me, like, why is that Mm -hmm. possible? And how is that possible? And also, what do I want to continue in? How do, where do I want to keep turning? So. Yeah. Well, one question I wanted to ask um, is, so I've been a Christian long enough. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, but uh, that ultimately led to becoming a pastor and so what you're telling me, like, I, there's a few things that come up immediately for me. Mm-hmm. One, um, God's word to um, Jeremiah, be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. But also those Old Testament passages that are like, hey, uh, I think it's Isaiah, do not fear. Mm-hmm. And so my inclination is, I mean coupled with the fact that I'm a six and I bathe in fear uh, just as a, <laughs> as a sauna. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not motivated by fear, what am I supposed to be motivated by? Um, and then, you know, even Paul's words, don't be anxious about mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Now I have some thoughts in my head, but I'd love to hear how you would answer it because it you, you spoke of fear as a gift mm-hmm. Not as a message of shame and judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's important to me to look again at fear um, in the heart of what is happening in our bodies, even when we feel fear. Fear is simply a, it's the meaning that we give to the sensations in our body that are telling us we don't feel adequately safe. And in that context, mm-hmm. not feeling adequate safety is actually a prompt in your body to move toward safety and connection. How is that a bad thing, right? Like the the sensations in your body that are telling you you're not safe and you deserve to be safe and you need more support and you deserve more support. Um, that is... Like to be drawn into relationship and to communion with others is the, I think the heart of, of what faith is about. Um, so I look at, and for the, for these two books, I looked at the context of so many of those passages of be strong and courageous and do not fear, be anxious for nothing. Um, and truly the command to, do not fear comes in the context of reassurance. The reason that we're told to not fear is because we are being reminded that God goes with us. 
So the command is in the context of communion. And that's truly what the sensation of fear is about anyway. It's asking you to treat yourself like like a friend rather than a foe who's worthy of safety and connection. And to remember that your friend Jesus is actually with you and has good for you. Um, And in that context, fear becomes a path to follow into friendship with Christ um, and into more safety in life. So it doesn't have to be something that we just annihilate. It can be something we follow Mm -hmm. into greater friendship with God. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening, but when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Hmm. You know, by setting fear in the context of the body, KJ, it does remind me just the simple fact that as human beings created in the image of God, that fear is a human response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have to have fear (laughs) as a experience at all, but God gave it to us. And he talks a lot about fear because fear leads to wisdom. Mm -hmm. Fear leads to reverence. Mm -hmm. Fear leads to awe. And when you think about it, you're exactly right because it's do not fear for I'm with you. It's cast all your anxieties on me. He cares for you. I care yep. for you. It's right. um, don't be anxious, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. So mm. I, I think us humans just naturally look at the first yep. part, right? Like, oh, I'm oh, messing we, up we or totally I'm misused. Yeah. I, mean, I'm sh- I feel shame or guilt or condemnation. I'm not I don't enough. want to get too theological <clears throat> here, but there are three uses to God's law. And one is to convict us of sin or our awareness of sin and living in a fallen mm-hmm. world, in mm-hmm. a sinful world. But number two, to lead us to Jesus. Yeah. But so much of my experience and how I have interpreted these messages um, and just living out my own kind of childhood trauma and wounds, I take that as I'm not being good enough. Right. God is, versus yeah. Oh no! This is the very moment he he wants to exactly. With it's me. God is never asking us to become more than human, like to mm. to bypass to to make ourselves to think that we could make ourselves not have fear to not feel mm-hmm. fear would be to not be human. It's it's wired in. It's baked in to our body's response to the world around us and to our response to the world within us too, and. And, and truly, I think, I don't know if we talked about this last time we talked, but Christ himself, God made flesh, felt such intense fear, the sensations of such intense fear right. that his blood became, his sweat became like drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Like, if, if yeah. God himself has gone to the furthest length of what fear can do in the body, then any place on that whole continuum for us can be a sacred place where we connect to God. Um, I, I, I think it's, I want, I want people so badly to be able to return to seeing the natural sensations of their body as good, as sacred, 
and as prompts to pay attention to what God might be inviting them into, which is always love. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear is simply one of those prompts. Well, KJ, can you just briefly share with us what The Lord is My Courage was about that came out last mm-hmm. year? But then why did you write this new book and what what is the the connecting points of it? Yeah. So The Lord is My Courage is a lot more of my own story of walking through mm-hmm. the dark valley of religious trauma and spiritual abuse and recovering, like leaving Mm. high control, high demand religion and finding that the good shepherd was still seeking me in the wilderness. And um, so in that book, I walk through Psalm 23 and there's so much of insights from like, what does the Psalm actually mean? And how does the, how does this, song about a good shepherd actually show up in the life of Jesus and the ways that he continues Mm -hmm. to seek us today. Um, And it's, I was just astounded at what I got to find in there in just. When it was so impactful for Jeff and I. Which is so encouraging. Because we had our own church hurt. Yeah. I mean, like we listened to it in the car and I, well, I read it and then I, and listened to it. And then I listened to it again. (laughs) I shared in that podcast, like there were, there were miles and miles of that car ride because we were listening to the audiobook. I don't remember because I was so self reflective yeah. of my own story. Yeah. So Somehow we stayed on the we road. Didn't have an <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, so there were definitely I, moments that we had to press pause because totally. It was so I much. I both I think I always feel this like sadness when the book resonates that much because it means that you've experienced a lot of pain. Right. And you've experienced a similar betrayal or sense of exile in your spirituality too. And I'm really, really grateful because the truth is there's so many of us who have needed to shift in our spirituality, whether that's because of spiritual abuse or um, really, or positive things, but it's, there's a, there's a deep loneliness in that shift. And I think, um, it's a beautiful and good thing when we can see our story reflected in other persons, it gives us strength to continue. Um, So, right. Right. We're not alone. And, and I think that's part of what, that's part of why it's so hard to leave um, spiritually abusive and traumatic context because often Mm -hmm. the undertone, whether it's explicit or not, whether it's explicit or implicit, the undertone in that kind of community is like, if you leave, there is nothing else. And you're like turning your back on faithful Christianity. And whether, you know, whether they say that fully or not, um, I think there's deep fear in a lot of us that if we, if we leave, if we create boundaries, if we, if we shift into something different, um, we're going to lose our belonging in the body of Christ. Right. And, and that we do lose our, we do lose, I think, the semblance of belonging that we thought we had, but we gain mm-hmm. this belonging that isn't based on anything that we do or don't do, but on being born and being already named beloved yeah. along with Jesus by the Father. So, I just like to point out, we do well, lose something KJ, and we gain more. <laughs> right. I, I remember in my own recovery book work, um, there's, there was a concept I remember reading in, we call it the Big Red Book. Um, but he was talking about how we associate with religious communities mm-hmm. and that we can reenact our family of Absolutely. origin. Absolutely. In the same with the same kind of connection and role within our church community, so there is a certain sense that you're walking away from dysfunction that you have become accustomed right. to. Yes, and to actually think that they're well, my family treated me this way, the church is treating me this way. Why would I ever assume that anyone else is going to treat me any different? Right, and I think part of it too, uh, it's like. So, Sometimes we think the church is maybe 
better than what we grew up with, than the dysfunction we grew up with. And so there's a, there's a real um, resistance to taking off the blinders and looking more closely at the quality of our relationships and the systems that we're a part of, because so many of us um, have lost either full relationship with our families or like don't have the closeness that we wish we could have, which is a loss too. And so the fear of losing one more like familial kind of attachment bond is terrifying. It's truly terrifying. I think that's why Mm -hmm. aside from the finances for those of us who have been like employed in the church, (laughs) um, I think this is a (laughs) big part of why we don't, so many of us struggle to leave or even consider leaving and making changes because we just, the belonging is a core human need. It's a survival need. And so feeling like that's going to be taken away from you um, is a very, very hard thing to face. And so I feel a lot of compassion for people that are struggling to face it. So then what prompted you writing this Yeah. So the Book of Common Courage is, in a lot of ways, it's a companion to The Lord is My Courage, but it can be read totally on its own, too. Um, Essentially, what happened (laughs) was, I'm laughing because it's, it, it, if, if you are a writer, you know that it's ridiculous to write two books in a year. And, and it was like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> um, so I'm just laughing at myself. That's what the laughter is. Um, but essentially what happened was while I was writing The Lord is My Courage, I was processing it through prayer and through writing poetry and mm-hmm. trying to like condense down what's the essence of what I'm trying to say in this book. And it, it was just like my writing poetry and writing prayers was how I made my way through the process of sharing my own really hard story that, you know, ha- could have a lot of consequences for making public. <laughs> and um, it was how right. I was like privately cultivating courage while writing this other book. And the plan mm-hmm. wasn't to write another book. Um, but the truth is you were just doing, your <laughs> I was just own doing work. my own work. And the truth is I, uh, as you guys know, like sharing content on social media, you get into manuscript mode and it becomes hard to make yourself like write another Instagram post. <laughs> and so yeah. honestly, I just like out of working, uh, smarter, not harder. <laughs> I occasionally would share some of the prayers or poems that I was working on privately just because mm-hmm. I needed something yeah. to put on social media to keep up with stuff. And people were just really drawn to it. And I, I didn't even, at that point, I wasn't even calling them poems. Like I wasn't ready to say that what I was doing was poetry. Um, <laughs> but I was mm-hmm. surprised that people felt like seen by these words or given permission to be honest with God by these words. And And so I just, the more that that happened, the more I was like, well, maybe there's something to this. And people kept bringing up like, you should, when are you going to make this a book? And so I just did. (laughs) I didn't think anybody would actually go for it. I didn't think my (laughs) publisher would go for it, but they did. And um, I just kind of went for it. I was like, well, what do I have to lose? Like, might as well make this a book. People are asking for it. I'm already writing these poems and prayers for myself. And yeah, so basically it is a, it's a soft place to land when life has, when your life feels shattered, it is, it also walks through Psalm 23 and it gives us um, short prayers called collects, which is drawing from the tradition of the book of common prayer, which is why the book, the book of common courage Mm -hmm. is kind of a riff off Mm -hmm. of that. Um, And Mm -hmm. It's giving us, like, as a trauma-informed therapist, a place to pray without feeling as flooded. I think that long prayers can kind of, like, be a bit much when life feels really hard. But if we are given a form that is very simple and has a structure to it, Mm -hmm. um, our own sense of internal chaos can kind of calm within that container So I've tried to give a bit of a container 
or when you feel that chaos inside yourself and you don't really have words to pray because it's hard to have words when you're overwhelmed um, and to just draw yeah. us into dialogue. Um, KJ, can we pause for just a moment? Because yeah. you, you, you use the term flooded. So you're in some sense reframing our experience of prayer. So I did campus ministry and we went through the ACTS prayer mm -hmm. form. Uh, we talked about prayer all the time. I've preached sermons on prayer yeah. uh, as a spiritual discipline. Like there, there is a reason that we experience chaos, flooding, physiological sensations when it comes to prayer. Mm -hmm that there may not be something wrong with you mm -hmm. as to why you are experiencing things when it comes to prayer. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, go a little bit further on yeah. that? Like what? Cause in my mind, here's what I'm thinking as a little kid asking for a need to be met in a dysfunctional home. I was scared to say I need mm -hmm. help. I need attunement. Right. I at times was punished for it. I was sometimes judged. Uh, you're so selfish. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I was right. ignored. When you said flooded, I thought, oh, no. Now I understand why when I pray, it feels like I'm that just I only experience loneliness mm -hmm. as if no one's listening. Yes. And that's the last thing I want to experience again. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love that you point that out and that you've given us that little glimpse into what it can feel like to reach for love and help um, when you when your life has told you reaching for that is only going to cause you more pain. <laughs> um, so yeah. I use the word flooded. Um, it's definitely a, a therapist word in that like when we feel when we don't feel adequately safe when we feel overwhelmed by what's happening in our life, when we're in a season of trauma or we're, we're triggered by things that continue to happen that remind us of harm in our past. Um, often we don't quite feel like ourselves. We feel out of sorts. It's hard to access our words. Um, and really that's a physiological shift that's happening inside your body that, when you, when your body, your nervous system picks up on more signals of danger than safety, you sink into states of stress. And when we're in states of stress in our nervous system, we can't access the language system of our brain. We can't, it's much harder to access also the social engagement system of the nervous system. And so you can't, really form words as well when you're overwhelmed anyway. Um, we go back to that kind of like primal language of emotion, sensation, and movement. Um, and I, I think it's important to just point that out in the context of prayer because it disarms our sense of shame that we should be able mm. even to like speak to God from anywhere. And no, we should want to pray more than we do. Um, but if if we're in the place that feels precarious, and if we have a history that says people in positions of authority are not consistent and um, aren't like they might shame us for having needs, we are going to carry that into how we relate to God. That's just how being a human works. Um, and so what I've done yeah. in this book is tried to say, carry that with you. And instead of having to form your own words, um, borrow mine, like let basically when we feel the kind of stress that I'm talking about, which we feel and can feel multiple times of any given day, just, just overwhelmed, a little mm -hmm. overwhelmed, um, anything ranging from overwhelmed to like, down in the pits of despair and I feel hopeless and I I don't like being alive anymore. That, that whole continuum of stress is um, 
Well, it, it, it reminds me of the, the, what is it? Are there four Fs now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Fight, flight, <laughs> freeze. Bond, yes. freeze. Like it, <clears throat> no matter what your experience is in prayer, it is to be welcomed. Yes. And to be considered. Absolutely. Don't avoid it. It's not the disqualifier. Exactly. Yeah. Like you don't have to wait uh, until those res- those responses are over in order to be welcomed by God. Your your stress responses yeah. are part of what God welcomes. And I I the beautiful thing about our bodies is that when we're in the state of a state of stress, when we're feeling like we need to flee, freeze, fawn, like fake that we're fine. Uh, it's the presence of another person who's safe and empathetic that most makes us feel enough safety to be able to come back to ourselves that can trust Mm. and love and hope again. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the, the hope for me in this book was being able to kind of invite people to come as they are and feel a sense of that personal presence of, I might not have the words to pray right now because I'm overwhelmed and I'm angry at God and I don't know if I can actually trust God. And you can like borrow my words and sense that I hope people can sense that both me and Christ uh, are, are some sort of presence in this of like, you are welcome here. Um, so many of the, the colleagues in this book um are directed at Jesus as our good shepherd. And and there's spots in there where like I, I talk about the beauty of um getting in a collect, the first step in a collect, there's five steps. The first one is that we get to name God. Like we get to name God. We're we like we're the hungry, we're the people that feel helpless. Um, people that maybe are on the margins of church today, we get to name God. And so there's points in here, like I just opened up. It should not be scary to us. Yeah. It's just consider how many names there are mm-hmm. of God in the right. Bible. Everybody's been doing yes. this for a really Right, long but it time. feels audacious. But um, like I talk about this in the beginning of sure. the book, the first person to name God in scripture and recorded scripture is Hagar. It's a woman who was abused and she's, she names mm-hmm. God from the wilderness. Um, that mm. is astonishing hmm. that like the yeah. naming power <laughs> comes from a person who feels powerless and has been abused. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on, KJ. You're, are you- Oh, I was going to make it. <laughs> I'm not sure what I said. But Adam got to name the animals. Name the animals. Are you I'm saying, saying that Hagar gets the name? Hagar named God. That gets the name? Because, it, and, and I say that sort of in jest, but also to emphasize a point. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, that Hagar was given this very significant moment where she's running mm-hmm. And God meets with mm-hmm. her, and something new about God is revealed in her story. Mm-hmm. And naming in the Bible is a very creative act mm-hmm. that mirrors God's creative energy in the world that He allows us to participate mm-hmm. in. And so, for her and her trauma to be able to name is very, very significant. It's astonishing, truly. And it says something yeah. very piercing about our actual power um, from our places of pain that like God would allow God's self to be named by those of us who have been abused and are scattered from our community. Um, That's, there's something very potent there to marvel at. So there's points in the book where I, where I get to Mm -hmm. name, I name Jesus like this one poem I just opened to or prayer hungry son. You talk about his own hunger. Um, There's points where I talk about Jesus as crushed and courageous. Like there's things Mm. um, homeless Lord, (laughs) like he had no place to lay his head. Mm -hmm. I, I think getting to call our attention to the humanity of Christ 
and to see that like when um when hebrews says we have a we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses those words often feel far away and they've lost a lot of their meaning but if you look closer at jesus they become real enough to comfort you in your chaos and in your confusion that like this is a god who chose to walk around and still has scars in his hands and walks through locked doors to meet us in our fear and i i am grateful that in my own process of learning how to pray again when my spiritual practices and spiritual community were shattered by abuse mm-hmm. uh i can make a little spot where it's safe to be ourselves and see this savior who is like us in every way um and still seeking us like it it's just been it's been really it was a beautiful mm-hmm. experience just to get to like wrestle through how do i see this god and to make space for words that are simple enough and honest enough to hold space for us when we're sad and we're shattered. Um, yeah. Well, KJ, you, you actually write in the book, courage is a practice and prayer is too. Mm-hmm. And you've already named three things that we need courage to walk through in order to engage with God. Number one, our own physical sensations that are related to prayer. Am I going to believe that my body will be able to adjust to a new reality? Mm. Number two, being led by written prayer. Maybe not something that's spontaneous that you need to pray eloquently and uh, for extended, but to actually trust that it's okay to use someone else's Mm -hmm. words when you can't come up with your own. And then number three, just right off the bat of naming God. Like that just uh, sounds contrary. Like, well, I can only use the names that are Uh given to me in scripture and I'm not even sure I know all of those. Um, Why is courage so important when we approach prayer? Yeah, I think courage is important when we approach prayer because we are modeled through a lot of the church and through our culture, a way of not being fully honest in our relationships, Mm. particularly with anybody in authority, like (laughs) um, parents, pastors, et cetera. We, we, there's not a cultural norm of authenticity uh, actually giving us secure attachment, like getting to be authentically Mm. yourself in the story that you're in and the skin that you're in and not be, not lose your acceptance with people who matter in your life and persons who matter in your life, including God. So um, to have, Courage courage is saying, in Christ, there is actually communion for you. There's connection for you that does not ask you to sacrifice your authenticity to receive attachment. That, like, you can actually be you, and God welcomes you. It's It runs counter to the story we've been absorbing. Mm-hmm our whole lives, right. most of us, that like, I have to shove certain things down in order to be loved. I have to say certain things that I might not fully believe in order to stay here and receive belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes courage to run counter to this storyline that we've received because the story is compelling and there are consequences to 
being more authentic as anyone will tell you who has left a harmful community or made, you know, come out with different changes in their life. Like it take their consequences to being who we are. Um, That takes courage to, to risk. It's a risk (laughs) that to risk Mm -hmm. trusting that God actually welcomes us fully. Um, So I I think that's what I would say. And kind of just, yeah, and kind of piggyback on that, just being an Enneagram mm-hmm. 4, I'm sure that you wrote this, that everyone follow it a very specific way, the, your way or the highway, right? <laughs> no. <now. Just> <laughs> <laughs> That's what, little Enneagram humor. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. I'm sure as an Enneagram 4 that you wrote this book, or at least when you realized it was going to be a book, because obviously you were writing yeah. it out of your own work. But when you realized it was going to be a book, that you envisioned it to benefit others from their own unique perspective. Mm-hmm. So, well, one, just to let people know, it's a gorgeous book. Thanks. So it totally represents the beauty that overflows from your heart. Thank you. So you, you if, if anything, just get the book to see how beautiful it is. But secondly, um, how, what would you say to those that pick up the book and how would you like them to make it their own? Yeah. Um, well, there's zero wrong way to to use the book and to read the book. It can truly be, I want it to be a companion to people. So a companion for you in the hard days and your hard moments. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mo- some people might read it cover to cover and then come back to it. Some people might just occasionally pick it up and read one poem or one prayer on a hard day. Um, It's the kind of book that can sit on your coffee table and you can reach for when you're like, "Uh, I don't, I just don't have any, like, I don't have any words to say to God. And I kind of want, I know I need God. (laughs) I don't, I just don't know what to do. I mean, truly like the funny part of this season has been, um, this is going to, it's so cheesy, but it's true. Um, I've had in the last month of my life, like some very difficult things happen where I haven't had words. <laughs> and I've seriously like gone back to this book and opened it up. And like those, some of these prayers and poems have given me room to hope again and given me room to pray when I mm-hmm. feel speechless and um have like readjusted my there's like one line where it's like let go of the story you've been holding on to and i read it the other day and i was like oh i won't curse right now but i'd said something else (laughs) oh man like yeah i need to i still need to let go of this story that i'm holding on to so i think it, it can be like a i'm finding that the one to one and a half years ago self that wrote this like is kind of giving me space to hope again Mm -hmm. today. And I hope that it can be like that for others that like, whether they read it all at once or in small sittings here and there on a hard day, um, that it gives a little bit more space. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of like, I put this in the invitation at the beginning of the book, but like, I kind of hope it's really pretty. So people might not do this because it, you don't, you, you might not feel like messing it up, but people can like cross things out and like put in words that feel more true to you, make it their own. I mean, it's an invitation yeah. into a conversation with God and with yourself. And these words can become your words. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of just, right. I hope that it can be a companion. Yeah, like even just to have a journal on the side. Yes. Yeah. Even to ha- to have a journal book on the side and then read one of them and then create a you know whether a similar or what what is overflowing mm-hmm. from your heart because like you said earlier just being flooded we all know what that feels like right we, we're not thinking right we're mm-hmm. overwhelmed we're in our minds sporadic and and yeah just it's really a hard place to be and to form words or prayers which of course that's when scripture talks about you know when we we might moan and groan, but the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. will pray on our behalf. And so using this as a prompt to connect with ourselves, mm-hmm. and then to allow what's really happening inside to come out and then to write whatever's coming yes. out. 
um, I would love that to to be a beautiful space. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm hoping it welcomes. Which, uh, when I hear when I, mm-hmm. we're Type Fours, I remember during the pandemic. Um, although they, we would hear stories like people we couldn't get out. They would create beauty. Yeah. Even if it were just one little corner of a room that they wanted to bring beauty to uh, for their family. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is uh, true mm-hmm. as well, uh, particularly in dealing with their own stories. To bring about beauty is, is difficult, mm-hmm. but not impossible. And here is a, a very precious resource that, as a reminder, it's these little Ebenezer's and memorials along the journey um, mm-hmm. that, you know, whenever you've been doing your own work for a while, you realize there are those moments where God catches up to you and offers these moments of assurance. Mm-hmm. And this is a great book to be able to capture some of those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That's so true. Well, we are so grateful for you and joining us today uh, again. Like I said, if you guys didn't listen to episode 135, definitely go back and listen to that episode. It was so it was good. fun. Just hearing from you, from your type four perspective and your Enneagram internal profile. I mean, we just, it was just really special. Um, But can you just share with everyone where they can find you and your work as they continue to grow in their own journey? Of Of course. And first, just thank you. You guys are so kind. I always love getting to talk with you. Mm. It's always beautiful and calming and good. Um, So thanks. (laughs) So, uh, yep, you Folks yeah. can find me um, across social media at KJ Ramsey Writes. And then you can find the Book of Common Courage at bookofcommoncourage.com. Um, and it's available mm. everywhere. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, for those of you out there that are like, man, this is great. I want to connect this with the Enneagram. Well, we do have Enneagram coaches that you guys can go to myenneagramcoach.com and we have a certified coaches directory there where you can find a certified coach that fits your needs and what you're looking for. So head over there. Um, But as always, remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder, because it is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us today.